Turn your Bibles to the book of 2 Timothy. We'll be in 2 Timothy chapter number 4, 2 Timothy chapter number 4. Uh, thank you for the, the music and uh, the choir all day long. The choir always is good, but today you just sounded extra good. Uh, well, who's missing? That's what I want to know. Uh, you sounded uh, really well, the music and the offertory. Anna and Alicia, good job in the offertory. And uh, we're on the way to church tonight, and I, I said, Anna, I've got this idea. I said, y'all can play, and I'll sing while you play. You can see how far that idea went uh, with that suggestion, but uh, we're truly blessed as a church with the music that we have, and uh, look forward to seeing uh, how God continues to use that in the days ahead. I'm going to read 2 Timothy chapter number 4, uh, the first uh, eight verses. I'm going to make several comments, uh, and then we'll have a word of prayer. Uh, tonight, I am going to preach from an outline that I wrote in September of 2012. Uh, some of you, you say, well, I wasn't uh, a member then, so this will certainly be something you'll pay attention to. Some of you were sleeping then uh, when it was preached the first time. Uh, I am now in my seventh year uh, as the pastor, and uh, much has transpired. Y'all all look older. I'm sure I don't, but uh, y'all. Uh, but I'll preach. I'm going to preach from this outline tonight. Uh, many of you have asked how my uh, meeting went down at the Central Baptist Church or Brother Bloom. I know I was absent from my pulpit, which I don't like to be, uh, but I was willing to do that for Brother Bloom, who's our good friend uh, and uh, our big supporter down there. And I taught on Sunday night, Monday night, Tuesday night, and Wednesday night on the dangers of the emerging church. And it went very, very well, uh, very well received. Um, you're used to me being long-winded. Uh, but on Monday night, I preached for 76 minutes, I think it was, taught. I tried to stick two every night, um, and, but uh, it never felt long. They, uh, that, it was just the material. People want the material, and so uh, I appreciate you allowing me to be away. So I have all of this emerging church stuff on my brain. As I begin to pray f about what to preach tonight, um, I'm very well aware that uh, wrong ideas and wrong philosophies can come through what seems to be harmless sources. It does not matter what the delivery mechanism is, error is error. Uh, false doctrine is false doctrine. And we see this in our society today. I, I taught you for a year on the last day's theology. I believe the emerging church philosophy blending in with this contemporary purpose-driven philosophy is leading us to a one-world religion. I, I, I believe it. I believe I've documented it. As I continue to study, I believe it more and more and more. The Bible tells us that in the last days there will be some departing from the faith. That means they have the same faith you and I have tonight. That means they are us. And sometimes uh, discernment is a blessing and a curse. Sometimes because of the study I have, I can point and say, that is emerging church. That is, I know where that comes from. And everybody looks at you like you got three heads because they're one of us. But the Bible says in the last days there'll be some that depart from the faith. It means they grew up in independent fundamental Baptist churches. Even independent fundamental Baptist preachers, they will leave the faith. They will give it up. There'll be a falling away. It will come in many forms. And so uh, we have got to be aware of that. Something else I want to mention to you before I read the scripture tonight. God is blessing us. Uh, I'm very aware of that. I hope you're aware of that. Uh, you can sense the momentum that is building with the Emmanuel Baptist Church. The things that God is doing, the things that we are on the cusp of doing, God is blessing us. I've been saying it for months and years. God is going to give us an opportunity to do a great work for Him and reach a lot of people with the gospel. I still believe that. Uh, you, you can just, I, just get, I just get a sense from God that he is, he, He's already blessing us, but there are great opportunities ahead of us. If we can sense it, Satan senses it as well. And while I am exciting, I cannot tell you how exciting I, excited I am for next Sunday. I cannot tell you how excited I am for the next several months. I am excited 
about what the Lord is doing. But I'm also very aware that it is in these times that the devil wants to try and get in. Uh, the devil wants to try and distract. And I have to remind us that there's nothing out there that can stop what God wants to do in here. And uh, we have got to keep our focus on the, and, and this day that we live in, in this political world, in this culture we live in, where people are changing all the time and people are succumbing. I, I'm not going to change what I believe because of the opinion of a lost world. Or, well, do you know what they're saying about independent Baptists? Well, that probably means I'm right on target. Uh, it, it, so, but, but he's going to oppose us. And you need to keep your family close to the Lord. You need to keep, stay close to the Lord. And as I've been doing for several weeks and even, even all of 2019, from time to time, I'll come to the pulpit on a Sunday night and preach an old truth, bring an old outline, because I want to hit, and I'm going to do this for the weeks to come now, to continue to remind us of where we have to stay. Remind us of who we are. Remind us a new address has not changed the old book. Uh, remind us of, 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 of things that we've got to be aware of as we look to the future. <clears throat> and tonight is going to be uh, one of those messages that I just feel impressed. And I just want to give this disclaimer again. I'm just going to preach an outline I preached in 2012. I don't intend on varying from it very much, if at all. And so if it addresses something that's going on in your world today, you're going to have to get mad at the 2012 version of me uh, because truth does not change. And uh, I feel that this will be a, be a help to us as we move forward because we cannot get away from what makes us us. Uh, I, it, it, you'll not find in this book, you'll not find in this book God telling his people, his church, to conform to this world. We're to be a city on a hill. Uh, we're to be that light in this world. And so uh, we must, from time to time, remind ourselves of our responsibility. 2 Timothy chapter number 4, verse number 1. Of course, the Apostle Paul, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, is writing to his son in the faith, Timothy, giving him instructions uh, on the ministry. This is often, this is one of the pastoral epistles one of the letters to Timothy, this is where we spend much of our time in that study on the last day's theology. Verse number 1 in chapter 4, I charge thee therefore before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who shall judge the quick and the dead at his appearing in his kingdom. Preach the word, be instant in season, out of season, reprove, rebuke, exhort with all longsuffering and doctrine. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine, but after their own lust shall they heap to themselves teachers having itching ears. They shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. But watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of the ministry. For I am now ready to be offered, and the time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good fight, I have finished my course, I have kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. These first eight verses, what an admonition to this young preacher. What an admonition to Pastor Timothy. What a standard the Apostle Paul has set for the preacher of the gospel. Much things he has said to, in the last days, this is what you're going to face. He says, you preach the word anyway. You preach the word of God. Uh, you preach it whether they like it. You preach it whether they don't like it. Uh, you hold to the faith. There's some admonitions there. They're going to turn away from truth, but it doesn't change the fact that you preach the word of God. Then we come down to verse number 7, and what a standard. I fought a good fight. I have finished my course. I have kept the faith. In order for this preacher to be able to say that, when I get to the end of my race, I better give close attention to what is written in the previous verses. Because that is a desire of this preacher. I trust that it's a desire of you, that when you finish your course, you finish your race, you'll be able to say, I finished. So in order to do that, I want to preach tonight, and this is an, the outline I wrote 12, in 2012, things I will never apologize for. In order for me to be able to say, God, I have done what you've put me on this earth to do, 
There's just some things that we have to do as Christians. There's just some things that we have to do as a church. There's just some things this preacher, your pastor, uh, has got a hold to that I will never, never apologize for. Father, I pray that you'll help us this evening as we look into the Word of God. I pray that you'll use these thoughts. And Father, I pray that you'll just continue to work in your church. I pray that we will be quick to acknowledge your obvious hand. We'll be quick to acknowledge your blessings. Father, I have just been so amazed in in days gone past of uh, you've always been a faithful God. You've always been uh, close by. You've always been uh, worthy of our uh, following and our faith. But uh, you have been so good, and it seems like almost daily uh, you remind uh, me, you remind uh, us as a church of your provision and your blessings. Father, I pray that in the days ahead, we'll be reminded of why you bless, and it's because of faithfulness. Why you bless, because of obedience. And Father, may we be willing to fulfill our course and run our race so that we might please you. May we run as if there is an audience of just one, and that is our God. Father, may we hold to the truth. May our greatest days of our church be ahead of us. Pray for your continued blessing, for it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. As I think about this message and I look back on uh, my six plus years of pastoring, uh, I think of my introduction to the pastorate. Uh, I recall a conversation I had with uh, someone who had been a a deacon, who was no longer a deacon because they did not meet the qualifications, came to me and wanted a meeting and asked me for an apology. Asked me for an apology for them not being a deacon anymore because they didn't meet the qualifications. The conversation then proceeded, they then proceeded to tell me how I was not qualified to make certain decisions. I was not qualified to lead in certain ways. It's amazing. This conversation went from seeking an apology because they had been offended by my decision to telling me of all of the things that I was doing wrong and I I did not have the ability to do. My memory brings me to another conversation to somebody who had been a Sunday school teacher, was currently a Sunday school teacher, and uh, had helped in, in, in different ministry aspects, came to me wanting an apology for him and his daughter because something had been done wrong. They had been offended. Then the conversation went from uh, needing an apology because they were offended to telling me how certain standards and, and practices were, in their word, silly and how they were not something that anybody should pay attention to. Again, it was very obvious to me that what started with, I need an apology because I've been offended, went into everything uh, that they found offensive about the church and about the truth. Then proceeded to tell me, really more of a lecture, but tell me how if I would just uh, lean on them a little bit more, they could really help me out as a new pastor, wanted an apology, but went into something else. Somebody who's not a church member here anymore came to me at one point, wanting to uh, wanting an apology because of the way things had been handled. Then presented to tell me he did not agree with our youth program. And let me just stop right there and say, uh, all these years later, our teenagers were able to lead 51 people to Christ yesterday. <laughs> Um, so, um, I'm not going to vary very far from our youth program, but the apology for something that was apparently, uh, perceived to be mishandled went into telling me all the things that did, what we're not in agreement with, with our youth program, uh, then proceeded to tell me that the pastor had no authority and that, uh, things wanted an apology for, uh, these, these, these offenses, my position, uh, ways my, uh, uh, positions offended him. I recall a conversation with a single young man wanted an apology because of my position on alcohol and how uh, I believe that uh, alcohol has not only no place in the life of a Christian, in the home of a Christian, doesn't have any place in the home of a lost man, saved man. Uh, it is the devil's, the devil's brew, and it has no place in society, but wanted an apology because of my position. After all of these conversations... I can honestly say I searched my heart. And the question was asked by me, is an apology deserved? 
Uh, believe it or not, with a, with a hard stand, there is, a, there is the, the sense that you want to do things not in the flesh, but in the Spirit. And, I, and I'll stand here to say, and there's many of you that have sat out, sitting out here now, there have been times I've looked you in the face and I said, that was not handled right. Or we could do, we could do better next time. But I want you to understand that the people involved in that have a love for you, have a love for your family, and was done out of a sincere mistake being the flesh. Uh, I, I searched my heart. Is an apology deserved? See, I have no problem apologizing when I'm wrong. By nature, I am a pleaser. If you don't know me very well, you don't know that. By nature, I am a pleaser. I want to please you. That's why I wish some of you young adults, when you come to me and you say, this is what I'm thinking, I want you to have what will make you happy. I want you to have your wishes. I want you to have your dreams. But when the Holy Spirit of God convinces me that what you have in your heart is not going to make you happy, I have a responsibility to tell you. I'm a pleaser by nature. I want everybody to like me. I do. I want everyone to like me. If I have wronged you, I will apologize. If I am, if I say something or say an unkind word, I will apologize. If I am abrupt or rude, I will apologize. There are times when you'll stop me in, in the aisle in the in the flow of all of the traffic and you'll start to talk to me and and we'll talk, and I'll get distracted, and I'll walk away. There have been many times I've stopped to turn around and say, I'm sorry, I, I, I didn't know if we were done. I, I, if I'm abrupt, I'll apologize. Uh, if I make a mistake, I will apologize. I am flesh. I make mistakes. And I am, when I'm wrong, I want to make those right. However, there are some things I will not apologize for. See, these meetings, and I want to bring this to our attention again tonight, because as we get reestablished, as God continues to bless, and as the ministries continue to get added to the Emmanuel Baptist Church, uh, what we must understand is uh, there's a lot that goes on that it, they come, comes with it, I want an apology, but it's not about an apology. Each of these conversations that I used as an illustration tonight had nothing to do with an apology, but what it did have to do with was control of the pulpit, control of the church. And friend, just as I have a responsibility to sit up here and preach the truth, I have a responsibility to walk guard over the Emmanuel Baptist Church, and no entity outside of these walls are going to control what goes on inside the Emmanuel Baptist Church. Well, you know what they're saying about the independent? I don't care. I'm not going to change my policy. What about a bunch of lost scorners say about God's church? I'm not changing our apology, and I'm not going to apologize for it. But I'm not going to let an entity inside the church control the direction or the practice of the church. After these conversations, and as a new pastor, welcome to the ministry. We have some of our college students home, and more will be coming home in the days ahead. And we have young preachers here. Let me tell you, somebody, and this is one of the, the, the conversations I have. We have men in ministry, young men in ministry, who are pastoring different, uh, different capacities. And I have this conversation with them as young, young. They're not really, they're younger than me now, but they're not really young men anymore. More than anything else is people trying to muzzle them, uh, entities trying to control them. And it's something that just, as a preacher of the gospel, as the pastor, of the church, there's just some things I'm not going to apologize for. And as a new pastor, uh, I wrote this list that I'm going to preach to you tonight. Now, uh, there's more than four things I'm not going to apologize for, and so I'll go ahead and mention that to you. But I'm just going to go right off the outline tonight, and there's some things I will never apologize for. And as we move forward, it's important for you to be reminded where we stand. It's important for you to be reminded the purpose of the church. It's important for you to know what your pastor believes. It's important for you to know where your pastor's heart is. And tonight, I'm going to give you some things I will never apologize for. Number one, I'll never apologize for believing in a literal interpretation of the Bible. I'll never apologize for being a King James Bible man. I'll never apologize for it. I'll never apologize for the authority of Scripture. I'll be quick to tell you that the only authority I have standing behind the pulpit I preach from tonight is the book that I preach from. If I ever stray from the Word of God, I have no authority. I have 
no authority to stand before you and give any direction, to give any leading, because all of my authority comes from the Word of God. And I'm going to be faithful and quick to tell you, parents and mom and dad, you get to the Word of God, that's your authority. I'm going to tell you, young adults, you get to the Word of God, you make your decisions based on the authority of the Word of God. Young people, don't listen to the philosophy of this world. I believe the Word of God still has all the answers, and I'm never going to apologize. What do you do in your services? We preach the Word of God. It centers around the preaching of the Word of God, and I'm never going to apologize for being a Bible believer believer, I'm never going to apologize for it. Uh, I'm not going to apologize for being narrow-minded and believing that this is the perfect Word of God. I'm not going to apologize for it. I don't have to twist anybody's arm to make them believe it. This is what I believe. This is what our church believes. And if you allow the Holy Spirit of God to work in your heart, guess what? You're going to line up where I line up. Because uh, I'm not going to apologize for what I believe about the Word of God. I'm not going to apologize about preaching. I'm not going to apologize because our kids are taught the Bible. I'd rather them learn about Mark, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John than Mickey and Donald and all of the rest. Uh, because when it comes to what God is going to do in their life, they have to know the Word of God. I'm not going to apologize for believing in a literal interpretation of the Bible. Number two, I'll never apologize for being a Baptist. Uh, we're not changing our name to Emmanuel Community Church. Uh, it's Emmanuel Baptist Church. I'm not non-denominational. I am a Baptist. I understand what being a Baptist means. I understand the price that was paid for us to have our Baptist beliefs. I'm not going to trample on the sacrifice. I'm not going to trample on the blood that was shed by our Baptist forefathers who were martyred for our faith. I'm a Baptist. I'm not going to apologize for it. You sit on the pews of a Baptist church tonight. You belong to a Baptist church. You tithe to a Baptist church. We send out Baptist missionaries. We're raising Baptist kids. We only support Baptist Bible colleges. Hey, I am a Baptist and I'm not going to apologize for it. Uh, this is what we are. And I believe with my whole heart in the days ahead, this pendulum of leaving the label of doctrine is going to start to swing back in those who left looking and those who have been deceived by the non-denominational community. We all need to get along. They're going to realize how unfulfilling it is. And there needs to be a place with a really tall steeple and a really big sign that says, Baptist on the side of the building. I am a Baptist and I'm not going to apologize for it. If I offend you with something I say, I will apologize. But if me being a Baptist offends you, I'm not apologizing. Really, that's what it comes down to. We have a society that is offended by somebody who's willing to believe what they don't believe. And oh, you look in the political world. Uh, we, we, we need, our president needs to apologize. This, this Congress needs to apologize. These people need to apologize for what? Believing something that you don't believe? I'll never apologize for being a Baptist. Number three, see how fast we're moving tonight? I'll never apologize for preaching on hell. Uh, people deserve to know that if they do not believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, they do not believe on the gospel, the death, the burial, the resurrection, if they do not realize they're a sinner and because they of their sin, they will die and go to hell without the Lord Jesus Christ. Uh, they have to know that. Uh, you, you, you all know we use this as illustrations, and some of you have family that finally come. You've been working on for years, and it's Easter Sunday. Or they come and they visit you. They come to town to see you, and they come to church. And I, and I stand up here, and I, and I look, and, and I see all of your family sitting with you, and I'm sitting there thinking, oh, no. I'm preaching on hell this morning. Don't worry. They need to hear it. I'm not going to apologize. The truth has to be preached. There's this philosophy today, you don't want to offend people by preaching on hell. I'm not going to apologize for telling people that if they don't go to the Lord Jesus Christ, they await eternal damnation. Uh, 
I'll never apologize, never apologize for preaching on hell. Number four, I'll never apologize for preaching holiness. See, we need to be reminded separation and holiness are linked. You cannot be holy without separate, being separated. You cannot live a holy life without being separated from the world. You cannot be separated or consecrated to Christ without being, being separated from. Separation is more about what you're separated to than what you're separated from. And too many that grow up in our churches are just focused on what they have to be separated from because of their carnal nature, and you're, you're missing it. Teenagers, you're missing it. Young adults, you're missing it. Young couples, you're missing it. Christian, you're missing it. It, it, doesn't, it pales in comparison what you're missing out on to what you get with the Lord Jesus Christ and being close to Him and feeling His presence and becoming more like Him. And, and you look at what He saved you from and look at the life that you don't have to worry about keeping up with because you're just trying to please God today. You're just trying to be more like the Lord Jesus Christ. Well, how do you remember all those decisions? I don't have a list that I live by. It's just, does this make me more like my Savior or less like my Savior? Is it, would this please Him or would this displease me? And I'm sorry, I know in this day there's certain things that you're not supposed to preach on. There's there's certain areas you're not supposed to stand in, but the Emmanuel Baptist Church, we still believe that God's people ought to be a holy people. God's people ought to be a separated people. And the whole world can change. And I'm not going to, not only am I not going to change what I believe on that, I'm not going to apologize for believing it either. And if you feel like, well, I just won't, I'm just offended by holiness. It's not me that's offending you. It's a holy God that is offending you. And you and I need to be reminded we are called to be a holy people. God's church deserves to be unspotted from the world. That is what Scripture requires. The church is to be separated. This emerging church philosophy that, we, that, that we've been studying, I taught last year. It's all about, there's, there is no holiness. The music is not only not holy, it's unholy. We need to get back to some Bible terms. If it's godly, it's of God. If it's not of God, it's ungodly. If it's holy, it's of God. If it's not of God, it's unholy. And we, we're not going to apologize for believing in holiness. I'm not going to apologize for you to tell, preaching to you that there's places you should not send your kids. There's places you should not have your children. There's things that you should not watch on television because there's things that a Christian should not participate in. I'm never apologizing for preaching on holiness. Let me just interject this because in the days ahead, I'm going to hit a lot of reset buttons. And if you're a member of our staff... There's a certain way, certain standard you'll be held, you're held to. Well, I don't know if that's my conviction. Well, get your paycheck somewhere else. I'd still love to be your pastor. Oh, you independent master pastors, they tell everybody what to do. I don't tell you what to do. I preach to you. You decide. Matter of fact, I'm one of the most laid back preachers you're going to find. Here's the truth. If you don't want to deal with it, that's what you, God, God, will, God, God will deal with your heart on that. But if you're getting a paycheck from one of the ministries of the Emmanuel Baptist Church, I will tell you uh, what to do because you're getting a paycheck from these people in this room and their responsibilities that you're supposed to hold to. But the same is true of a Sunday school teacher. There's a standard. Same is true of a deacon, deacon's family. There's a standard of holiness that must be held to. Well, Pastor, I don't know if I agree with that. That's fine. That is fine. But I'm not going to apologize for holding a line that God holds. Um, there's a responsibility. I'm going to hit those. Re I'm, I, we have to. Uh, if you're going to sing, if you're going to stand on this platform and stand in front of, front of everybody and sing, uh, then your life is going to back up what you're singing. Uh, I'm not offending anybody I am at tonight. No snowflakes in here? Okay. All right. Uh, it just makes sense. Uh, but I'm not going to apologize. My responsibility as your pastor 
And see, I don't have to apologize for these things because I, cause, cause, cause I know what's in, in my heart. I, I know the prayer that is invested. I know the responsibility that I hold. And I say this often. I would rather answer to you. I would rather you get offended by me than offend the God who holds me responsible for the people that I preach to, holds me responsible for his church, and I'm not going to apologize for believing that we ought to have we ought to be holy. Don't you want a pastor that lives a holy life? Well, why should a pastor not have a holy people? Now, I understand somebody that's gotten gotten saved 2 weeks ago doesn't have it all figured out. We've been saved 20 years, and we still don't have it all figured out. But we ought to be growing in our spiritual life. We ought to be growing. Oh, and let me, just because I have a a lot on my heart when it comes to our single adults, our young people. You weren't reared in a holy home for you to go out and live an unholy life. That's not the way it works. And I'm not going to apologize for saying, hey, you were taught better than that. You know better than that. Let's do right. Let's please God. You're not going to stand before your coworker one day and give an account of your life. You're not going to stand before some family member one day and give an account of your life. You're not going to stand before some, some, some quote-unquote pastor so-and-so down the road and give an account of your life. You're going to stand before a holy God and give an account of your life. I would be doing a disservice to not stand in this pulpit and say, a holy God deserves a holy service. A holy God deserves a holy life. And the only way to live a holy life is to line ourselves up with this book and to separate ourselves from the things of this world. In my preaching this, I'll make an effort to not be offensive. But if holiness offends you, I'm not going to apologize for that. Number five, I'll never apologize for being God's man. Now, I remind you, I wrote this list in 2012. If you get upset at me tonight, you have to get upset with the 2012 version of me. I'll never apologize for being God's man. See, I can stand here tonight and say, I know I have a call on my life. We live in a day we don't like strong men of God. We live in a day we don't like men who will stand and say, thus saith the Lord. We live in a day where if you don't capitulate to those who try and control, they'll try and destroy you. But I'm never going to apologize for being God's man. Uh, And if that offends some, then so be it. I have a call on my life. It It is not bringing attention to me. It is bringing attention to the call that God has placed on my life. And I'm not going to apologize for being God's man. There's a statement that I make often. And when you're in the hospital or you have a loved one in the hospital, you don't want some dude to come in and have prayer. That's when you want a man of God. When your child in sickness has just been taken. Or you're in a hospital that says there's nothing else we can do. Or there's trouble in the home, trouble in the marriage. You don't want some wannabe hipster. You want a man of God who can get a hold of God. You want a man of God who takes seriously the call that he has on his life. And I'm sorry if, if, if a pastor who stands and preaches with the authority of the Word of God and is only concerned with taking us on this, on this, on this task of completing the will of God for us as a church, that's my focus. That's my responsibility. I'd love to go fishing with you all the time, but I can't. I'd love to hang out with you all the time. I can't. Now, I will make time for Taco Bell with you, just to throw that in there. But there's things I would love to do. I'd love to fellowship. I'd love to be your buddy, but I can't do it because I've got to be in this book searching the truths of Scripture so that that I can give on a Sunday what God has placed in my heart that's going to help you in rearing your children. It's going to help you in your marriage. It's going to help you in your crisis hour. Oh, I've got to be willing in those times, in those early mornings, 
mornings and those late evenings to say, God, what is it that you want for your people or to have God impress upon my heart your burdens, your need. I can't live like everybody else lives. And I don't expect everybody to keep the schedule I keep. But as God's man, I have a responsibility that I'm going to give an account to Him. And it's not my responsibility to be popular. It's not my responsibility to win Twitter. It's not my responsibility for everybody to love me. It's my responsibility to be the man of God for the Emmanuel Baptist Church. And I'm not apologizing for that. If that offends you, I'm sorry, but I'll never apologize. The gifts and callings of God without repentance. Number six, I'll never apologize for anyone leaving the church because they couldn't control the pulpit. I've been through some battles. You've been through some battles. I don't talk about them much. don't like to talk about them much. But you know what was over? This right here. Control of the pulpit. You know what? I, I'm not so naive. In, that, in the midst of God's blessings, in the midst of all of God is doing, and there are things that I just, I, I can't even explain it to you, that I feel in my heart. I am convinced by, by our God that there are some things that you and I don't even know of that God is going to do. I'm convinced of it. And you say, what is that? There's some things I know. There's some things I don't know what it is, but I know But I know that down the road it's going to come again. Well, Pastor, we've got to do this in order to uh, fit in here. We've got to, oh no, I, I'm not going to apologize. If anybody decides to leave because they can't control this pulpit right here. Now, I say it to you often. I want us all to go on this trip together. I don't want to lose anybody. I don't want anybody to fall by the wayside. And if you know me and you've been here longer than a week and a half, you know I'm a very patient man when it comes to the growth of his people. And I will give you opportunity, and I will give you opportunity. Why? Because I want you to grow. I want you to understand what it is to know that you have a God who loves you and will take care of you and will guide you if you'll just submit to him. And if you'll just, you can have victory over the things you're struggling with. But when it comes to the pulpit up here, there's one pastor, there's one preacher, there's one person who decides under the leadership of the Holy Spirit that the direction of the pulpit here, and you're looking at him. I'm not going to apologize if somebody decides to leave because they can't control this. Now, if there's a weak Christian that gets discouraged, I'll do everything I can to help them. And by the way, I, I take no joy in somebody leaving our fellowship. But I'm not, they're not going to control this. I take no joy. And I promise you that, now there's some that, oh, here's the line, here's the line, and this has happened, and I go from the shepherd, the pastor who sheds the tears and pleads and begs, and I can't explain it. God flips a switch. And it goes from, I'm, gonna, I'm, gonna, I'm going to love on you, I'm going to lead you. And it goes from God saying, draw that line in the sand. And you draw that line, you stand on the truth, you preach the truth, and they're going to get right, or I'm moving them out. I don't take any pleasure in that. But I have one alternative. It's to give up this pulpit. And I'm never going to apologize for somebody leaving because they can't control the pulpit. Yeah. Let me make this statement. It'll be one for you to remember as you continue to learn your pastor. Don't mistake the tear in my eye for weakness. And don't mistake the strong stand for hardness. The pastor's both. I will cry over you. But when it comes down to it, I'm going to stand on this book. I'm going to preach the truth. And I'm not changing. The direction of the pulpit is not changing. And while I wish everybody would take this ride with us, because it is a ride, is it not? And it's exciting to see God do miracle after miracle after miracle.
But I'll never apologize for anyone leaving the church because they couldn't control the pulpit. And really, let me just interject. That's Before I pastored, I was the preacher's kid. And really, that's really why they leave. That's really why they're offended. That's really why. Hey, apologize to me because I couldn't control you. I'm not apologizing. Amen. Then number seven, and finally, the one you've been looking for. Maybe I should update this list. It is six years old, seven years old. I'll never apologize for choosing soul winning programs over social programs. Amen. The church is not a social club. We're a rescue station. I looked around the building tonight, packed out. Great spirit as always. And I look around the building and you could see people who, since I penned this outline in 2012, you've been saved. God saved you since then. God's brought you into the church since then. Your children have been saved since then. Why in the world would I apologize for in 2012 as a new pastor when the pulpit was under attack, the direction was under attack? Offended by your stand, apologize. Why in the world these years later would I ever apologize now for what I wouldn't apologize for then when some of you wouldn't even be saved? See, God will do the work if we just stand where we're supposed to stand. Parents, let me help you. Sometimes you'll be frustrated with your children, and there's a lot of that going on right now. Uh, that's just part of being a parent, but extra frustration. Um, you stand where you're supposed to stand and depend on God to do the work. Uh, it's frustrating to just sit back and say, God, you're going to have to work that. You work in the heart. Well, stand where you're supposed to stand. See, the church is a rescue station. We are the church that runs buses. We're the church that knocks on doors. We're the church that goes to the part of town that the other churches will not go to. Um, our social gatherings, our soul-winning meetings, uh, I'll never apologize for choosing soul winning program over social programs. I think fellowship's good. I think it's healthy. I think it's needed. Uh, church, just in case this does this fits for somebody out there, you haven't grasped this yet. If you'll come to church sooner than two minutes before it starts and stay longer than two minutes after it's over, you'll get some of the best fellowship you've ever had in your life. And by the way, that's a tip. Whenever somebody is always coming and always fellowshipping, then I watch. They don't stay in fellowship anymore. They don't come the same time they used to come anymore. Let me, let me just go ahead and, and, and just throw that, go a little further on that. You're, you're going to fellowship with somebody. And if you don't feel comfortable fellowshipping with God's people, it's because you feel more comfortable fellowshipping with this world. But you know, I'm all for softball. But softball teams don't keep people out of hell. Christian jazzercise <laughs> with Pastor Greg isn't going to save anybody. Matter of fact, in that setting, you'd think you'd gone there. That didn't save anybody. There will be no rewards at the judgment seat of Christ for social programs. None. If I could give some advice tonight to all of us, get on board with what God's doing. Well, there's just some things that I, I would do differently. That's okay. You don't have to agree with everything that we do. 
You don't have to agree with every part of the order of service. You don't have to agree with every decision that's made. You don't have to agree with that. I mean, I want you to be, I want you to be happy. Remember, I'm naturally a pleaser, but I don't lose any sleep if you don't agree with, it, with me in every regard. I don't lose any sleep over that. But you would be wise to invest your time and your money in a place that's keeping people out of hell. There are some, I'm, I'm not so naive to think that everybody here agrees with everything that I say. You ought to hear the roasting I get on the ride home from church. <laughs> oh, Dad, you said this. Did you mean to say that? Dad, you said this. Did you mean to say that? Didn't you hear Dad say, ah, I gotta, I'm never going to apologize for my preaching. I'm not going to do it. I, 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 you don't have to agree. I'm to a place that I'm more concerned with pleasing God than you liking me. Uh, but I say all that to say this. I know that not everybody's on the same page with me. But if you'll hang in there, good advice I'll give you. If you hang on and you continue to be obedient to the Lord and drop that tithe in the offering plate, while you and I may never see eye to eye on everything, when we get to the other side, I can promise you, you'll get a return on your investment. Amen. You'll get it. Amen. You come, and you be faithful. You be a part. You use your talents and abilities for the Lord, I promise you. We, we don't have to agree about everything. It's okay for you to be wrong. We don't have to agree about everything. But if you'll keep coming and you'll pr pray for your pastor, pray for these young people, pray for these people, you don't have to be on the same page. I, I, I'm not so naive to think that you are, but you just keep coming to the house of the Lord. You keep throwing your tithe in. You keep throwing your prayers for this ministry. And you say, I'm just going to be on board because something good is happening there. And there is another generation that's risen up. And there's just generation after generation. There are people. You, you don't don't have to agree with me where I set my standards. You don't have to like the same music I like, but I promise you this, if you keep coming as the Lord continues to do miracles and, and, and the buildings come and the growth comes, you're going to watch souls walk down an aisle and get saved. You're going to continue to watch uh, converts be baptized. You're going to see God do a great work. You don't have to agree with me in order to experience that. Let me encourage you to stay faithful to the Lord's church. Stay faithful to the Word of God. I will make mistakes. I will. That's why you ought to pray for me. I mean, look around. Would you like to put up, be put up with everybody in here? Would you like to be responsible for, for everybody in here? I don't even like being responsible for myself. I mean, I'm responsible for Mama Ha. I mean, good night. <laughs> you better move me to the top of your prayer list now. You didn't think of it in those terms, did you? I, 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 I'll, I'll make judgment. There will be times when I'll be tired. I didn't give the attention that I should have given. I'll say something that perhaps I shouldn't have said. Maybe I'll come up short of a standard that has been set. I'll, I have no problem apologizing. Because I want to get I want it to be right. But there's some things I'm not going to apologize for. And this is a list that I wrote in 2012 as a new pastor. And I think I know I'm glad that I set those things, the things I'll never apologize for. Parent, get you some non-negotiables. Uh, that, 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 that's a term I give all the time in advice for new couples, married, 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 premarital counseling. is like, get you some non-negotiables, what's going to take place in your home. Parents ought to have some non-negotiables. Uh, pastors ought to have some non-negotiables. Everybody has some non-negotiables, and then don't apologize for them. 
you know, I don't like to always bring politics, bring politics into the church service. But I'll tell you, one thing I like about our president is he doesn't back down from his position. And I may not say it, or may not have said it, like he says it all the time. Or maybe I would, I don't know. <laughs> but he does not back down off of it. Why do, we have, why, do we have, why do we have Christians apologizing for believing the Bible? Why do we have parents apologizing for rearing your children according to the Word of God? We have adults coming to their parents now saying, apologize to me because you raised, you reared me in an independent Baptist church. Apologize to me because you wouldn't let me do this and everybody else did that. And oh, I'm warped. No, you're a rebel that needs to get right with God. That's what you are. We have churches today apologizing because of what somebody out there is saying. If I, if I, if I, if I wrong you, I, I will apologize. But if my position offends you, don't come looking for an apology. Because it's a Bible position. Let's all have some non-negotiables. We're moving forward. We're pressing forward. Great days. We're experiencing great days right now. But greater days are ahead. All of us. All of us. I covenant with you tonight on this day as we're getting ready to make uh, big, big steps in our ministry. I am recommitting to these things. I am recommitting to pastor you as the Lord would have uh, me pastor you. I'm not going to change. I'm not going to change my direction. I'm not going to compromise on my beliefs. A change of address does not change the Bible. It does not change our, our soul winning programs. It does not change any of those things. Why don't we, if I'm going to make that commitment to you, why don't you make that commitment to your pastor? Pastor, I won't always understand. I don't expect you to always understand. There'll be times I'll deal with situations that you don't know all the details about. And I just don't think he handled it that way. Well, you may be right. But give your pastor the benefit of the doubt because there are some things your pastor knows that you probably don't know about the situation. But I may mishandle something. But know my heart. But there's some things that I'm going to hold to. Why don't you commit to me? Say, well, I don't agree. Well, you just, you just keep coming. You keep investing in eternity. You, 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 you hop in where you, well, Pastor, I just don't know that I, I want to be a part of that. Well, don't be a part of that. Be a part of something else. Get involved some way, somehow. Uh, let's have those non-negotiables as a Christian. Father, I pray that you'll take the message.